Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Monday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I hope all of you had fantastic weekends. I did. NFL playoffs are set. We got the national championship game between Alabama and Georgia tonight. It's football heaven for those of us out there who love football. It's also Buck Sexton. The Dark Ages for the Biden COVID regime. Everything it feels like is falling apart for them as it pertains to the overall narrative of Joe Biden's entire 2020 presidential campaign. He said, I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm not going to shut down the economy. And the virus is surging And it feels like, to me, Buck, and I'm curious if you got this sense too, ever since the Supreme Court arguments on Friday, which we talked a lot about over the COVID vaccine mandate, that Biden has lost control finally of the narrative. we got a couple of clips of Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director that I'm going to get to in a moment. But Buck, you're in New York City, the place with basically the highest COVID rate of infection once more two years later, effectively, after March of 2020. What is the vibe on the ground? And do you also have the sense that I do coming out of this weekend that basically the Biden White House has just finally lost control of the COVID narrative that they're trying to sell to the American public? The narrative is in free fall. It's, I mean, to say it's collapsing is one thing. I, I think it's actually going in the other direction, too. It's not just that people are ceasing to believe a lot of what the established consensus storyline is. They're saying they're starting to finally, and I think this is a good thing, say, wait a second, how long have they been wrong about this? Why should we trust this narrative going forward? Why should the apparatus have so much control over our lives? Clay, it was just bombshell after bombshell the last few days with what's being said. Because first of all, let's just all take a step back. We've had this enormous fight over mandates, and in New York City, they implemented it. The federal government, just to remind everybody, is supposed to start, I believe today, the initial phase, although it's 
really a phased-in process of the OSHA mandate, right? That's why we had the Supreme Court oral arguments, and this is why there's the urgency of whether there'd be a stay. So you're in the phase now where technically the federal government is supposed to be forcing these shots into people's arms, or they can get a test every week and be harassed forever and be masked up and, you know, or get fired, right? That's where we are. Clay, up to 40% of COVID patients, according to Rochelle Walensky and the CDC, in the hospital may be there for other reasons. I mean, I know you have this audio, but the the numbers now are telling us what we've been saying all along, which is COVID is dangerous to a small percentage of the overall U.S. population. The vaccines do not stop the spread. They've had to admit that. I mean, that's obvious now. They do not stop the spread. And they might be dramatically overcounting. The CDC might be dramatically overcounting hospitalizations and deaths. Yes. And we're going to play a couple of these clips for you. I also there's a great editorial. I shared it. and We're going to talk about this, too, because I think it ties in to this overall crumbling foundation of the Biden uh, covid narrative uh, on the opinion page of The Wall Street Journal. Omicron makes Biden's mandates obsolete. If you want to do a little reading during a commercial break here in a little bit, uh, we're going to talk about that uh, piece, which is written, by the way, by a Nobel Prize winning uh, uh, physician. So it's kind of a significant, uh, significant uh, person to be writing that story. But first, Rochelle Walensky, it seems to me, to some extent, has been deputized as the official sudden truth teller. Now, she's not sharing data that you and I, Buck, haven't been talking about for a long time. But what's landing here is this data is blowing people away and it's also making people realize, stop and say, wait a minute, why have we not known about this before and what else are they not telling us? Now, there are a couple of different clips that I want to play here. Friday, Rochelle Walensky went on Good Morning America and she said that uh, what we've talked about for a long time, that the people who are dying with COVID have four or more uh, comorbidities often. Listen to cut three of Rochelle Walensky, CDC director, Friday on Good Morning America. The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. Okay, so this is what we've been saying. If you are not well, if you have a high level of obesity, you are under particular risk from COVID. This has been data that the CDC has been unwilling to share with the American public on shows like Good Morning America with people like Rochelle Walensky uh, sharing it. So if you missed that, over 75%, she said, of, uh, of deaths are occurring in people with at least four comorbidities, and these people are not well, she is saying. Okay. Now, also, she went on Sunday with Brett Baer on Fox News Sunday, and she was asked directly what percentage of the people that are counted as COVID deaths died from COVID, not with COVID. Listen yes, to this of course, answer. with Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. All right. So really, the question there is an important part from Brett Bayer, too, because he says directly, Buck, hey, there's eight hundred and thirty five thousand deaths that are attributed to covid. How many of those are deaths with covid? 
Uh, that is, people have many different comorbidities. In other words, if you're in hospice, and as often, unfortunately, occurs in hospice, you die not with any one particular cause. You might have pneumonia. You might have the flu. You might also have COVID. You have many different illnesses oftentimes that are occurring simultaneously, but you are on your way to death otherwise that would be counted as a COVID death or memorably, as has sometimes happened, if you uh, if you come in uh, to the hospital after getting hit by a bus and you right. test positive for COVID, you are a COVID death. Okay, so how could we have had anything even approaching a rational and reasonable policy discussion, Clay, when the CDC is effectively telling us the numbers? And remember, the numbers are what they use to justify everything. everything. There, there was a time when New York City was shutting down schools because of the positivity rate of COVID tests, which makes zero sense, right? I mean, it's how many people are taking tests? Are asymptomatic people taking tests? Are people, they have had the numbers game being played this whole time. And now when they say things like 75% of COVID deaths are those who are essentially at, at high risk of dying from the flu, any number of you know, upper respiratory uh, you know, people with four comorbidities. I mean, that's that's statistically someone who is at risk from just day to day life. We're all going there, by the way. We're all going to be at that point. But when I hear her say that, I have to think about all the lives because remember, they also tell us everybody who is dying, almost everybody, I should say, who is dying in the hospital is unvaccinated. I find that the, the most recent data on that was pretty stunning. It's like point zero zero three percent of those dying are vaccinated so they're saying everyone in the hospital in the u.s who's dying is on i know i find that it's i find true i find that not but the cdc saying it but just take that for a moment and pause and just think about what that means think of all the lives that could have been saved if we had gotten 99.9 percent of those truly at risk vaccinated instead of firing 35 year old nurses with natural immunity and trying to force everyone's 10 year old to get the shot think of the dispersal of, of resources the lack of trust the authoritarian overreach that has been created by trying to do this and not just mass vaccination, mass booster campaign now for everybody. People looking around saying, who are the morons in charge that think this is actually working? Well, and what this represents to me, Buck, is the internal polling in the White House on covid must be a disaster right now for Joe Biden, because the first thing I say is, OK, they're going to now start sharing data that, frankly, when you and I would share it on social media, what would we get told? Oh, you're trying to kill grandmas. You would sometimes be told, hey, you can't share this. Uh, it appears to me that big tech, and I'm curious if you buy into this, it seems like big tech has stopped restricting the spread in many ways uh, I, of critical uh, critical commentary surrounding COVID all of a sudden. I, I, just, got, I just got hit. You My got Facebook dinged. account, I got dinged the last 24 hours for something I said on this show, which we then shared at Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. So we're now they, fighting got, with them. As an untruth, they said, like, this is... Inde a, this is independent fact-checkers. I have run circles, as have you, around these independent fact-checkers for months when you look at what is actually true. Who ends up being right versus who is going along with the narrative at the time? Journalism, big tech, my friends, they have betrayed not only their professions, but this country over the course of the pandemic by refusing to stand for truth, refusing to make sure there's accountability for the abomination of a CDC, which is at this point, they're the worst three letter agency in the federal government, which is an astonishing accomplishment. And. 
the people who are doing these fact checks, well, that's interesting that you just got dinged because what I have noticed is it seems like there now is a willingness to have a debate about what's going on surrounding the COVID vaccine. And I, I continue to say COVID vaccine in question and in quotation marks because the question that I asked Buck that got everybody riled up last week on, uh, on Twitter was just this. Name me any other vaccine in quotation marks that you have to get three or four shots in a year and it doesn't prevent you from getting or spreading the virus. This, I've never heard of that happening. This is before. the crappiest vaccine anybody's ever heard of. I mean, no one's ever been sitting around saying, yeah, you know, get the MMR vaccines and maybe get them four times a year for the rest of your life. And maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Doesn't stop the spread. Of course, this is not what we thought of when we and this is not what they told us, to be very clear. Yes. They said 95 percent protection. You don't get it. You don't spread it. But, Clay, to your point about social media, what I think we're seeing is that it's more apparent now that there are some people who are allowed to say what you and I say. And so that's OK now. But are you and I allowed to say it right? Can I say that the vaccines don't stop the spread? I might get dinged. I might get shut down. But Rochelle Walensky can go and say it, right? It's about who can say what, which just goes to show you this is all about power dynamics and has been all along. And politics. And the politics, I think, on this are disastrous now for Joe Biden. And I think they are trying to figure out they're in a tough spot, right? Because they used COVID to keep Donald Trump from getting reelected in 2020. All of the death counters, which miraculously have disappeared, even though the deaths are continuing to go up. All of the nuance surrounding these numbers. Wait a minute. What's the difference between a COVID death with COVID versus COVID because a death because of COVID? These were conversations that were not allowed to happen. And now as they look ahead to the red wave that is coming in 2022 to this midterm as every single day, Buck, more and more people, my phone, I don't know about you, but there are friends of mine that I will hear from pretty regularly who may have been critical of some of my COVID comments earlier. And they're like, Man, I, I'm starting to look at the data, and a lot of what you've been saying is true. Yeah, it's not like I'm pretending to be a, a, a Nobel Prize winning scientist. I'm just looking at the data and using it to inform my opinions, which is what all intelligent people should do. And there are Nobel Prize winning scientists who now uh, kind of say we've been saying here in the Clay and Buck Show. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out a little bit, a little bit of uh, what the Clay and Buck Show has been recently. You know, you don't just vote every November. You vote every single month with the money you spend and the companies you choose to spend it with. Consider your current cell phone provider and the bill you're paying this month. Your money supports the candidates and issues that they donate to. Do you know who they are? Let me give you a hint. You might be frustrated to see the support for leftist politicians pushing liberal agendas. But there's a solution. Pure Talk. Get your cell phone service from Pure Talk. They use the exact same towers accessing the exact same 5G network as one of those companies. With Pure Talk, you have the peace of mind that you're supporting a veteran-run business with employees all here in the United States. Clay and I are proud to be customers for that reason, too. And, Clay, this is a monthly bill you can be proud to pay. No doubt. It's likely to be half of what your current cell phone bill is. That means you're likely to save 50 or $60 or more each month. So how do you hook, get yourself hooked up? From your cell phone right now, grab them in your hands, dial pound 250, say Pure Talk, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say Pure Talk, today why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver i just don't understand have we already forgotten about regional bank closures inflation global instability and the potential for serious world conflicts you can look to precious metals for various reasons 
One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. Welcome into the second hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show, everybody. 800 282 2882 on those phone lines. NYC, my hometown. A lot of people listening on 710 WORNYC right now. And you are very much affected by, in the day-to-day, exactly what we're about to talk about here. But across the country, let me just give you this quick pitch. This is Los Angeles, New York. You see what happens in these places, and it's what the Democrats want to do to the whole country if they can, if they could. And it gives you a sense of their mindset going forward into this midterm election year. Because we had been thinking for a while, I think, on the right, oh my gosh, Biden is such a joke. These policies that are being implemented are so bad 
that the Democrats are going to have to do what they usually do in election year, which is pretend to be something other than that, which they are. Do a little head fake toward the center. Oh, yeah, we're not that. We're not a bunch of quasi Marxists running around who want to undermine the very foundations of American society. No, no, no. Of course not. Right. We're not we're not teaching critical race theory to your kids in school. No, we don't do that. And if anyone was doing it, we'll put a stop to it. You would think they might do that. But that's not necessarily what's actually happening. And New York City is an example, I think, of, oh, wow, they might just be so ideologically committed that they're going to keep on ruining this place. They're going to keep doing what they've done in San Francisco, in New York, in Los Angeles, and destroy the largest cities in America, make them unlivable hellholes. Eric Adams was the great hope to end this, and I can tell you, that so far, it looks like he may just be a continuation in many ways of the de Blasio decline. He might be a little bit better on police. But let me start with this. He has backed uh, allowing 800,000 non-citizens. And I just want to say this. Non-citizens is not a term we should use. We should use the actual federal legal code term, which is legal alien. Or if you want to, illegal immigrant. But it is a violation of U.S. law for people not in this country legally to be here. That has not changed. That is still in the books. If the Democrats don't think that's fair, they should be advocating for the elimination of illegal status, which we know they will do. But it's just a question of when they have the votes and the power to try to get it through. But in the meantime, Clay, 800,000 illegal aliens in New York City are now, because Eric Adams has allowed the legislation to automatically become law on Sunday. He did not veto it. 800,000 illegals are now voting for city council, for the mayor. What does this say to people who, first of all, live here, second of all, have to pay the outrageous taxes to live here, and the people that came through the system legally? Looks like Democrats don't care, like they make a mockery of all of it. No one saw this news who is an American citizen and thought, this solidifies my decision to live in New York. That's my number one takeaway. And this is significant because Eric Adams has talked about publicly. I think he said a lot of the right things, which is one of the first things he's going to do is get on a plane and go down to Florida, he said, and try to persuade people who had left New York to move to Florida, had taken their tax dollars from New York to Florida, and was going to try to persuade them to come back. This is the exact opposite of that. My second thought is there's no way this is constitutional. So uh, the idea... And again, I understand people out there, some are going to say, well, this is just a local election. This is not a state or federal election. But to me, the idea that you can allow, first of all, how are you going to distinguish, right? So we already know that New York City's elections are a total mess. They've acknowledged it. The mayor race itself was a mess. They put out wrong numbers. They had to correct them. How are you going to easily create a system where you are going to allow people to vote in local elections, but then not allow them to vote in state or federal elections, it seems to me that this would be rampant fraud opportunities because you're going to have, what, two different registers of who exactly is legal to vote and who's not and what are the rules and ramifications here. I just I find it hard to believe that this is going to be upheld constitutionally. But it shows you the mentality here, folks. Certainly. I mean, this is a new a new era for New York. They've already done something like this in San Francisco. They they are making moves to do things like this in Los Angeles and other places. Um, but here is Eric Adams when he when this was being talked about. Here's how he responded. 
Doesn't the bill just make a mockery of the idea of American citizenship, though? I mean, this is just for local elections, but does that mean, like, next uh, New York City is going to want non-citizens to vote in federal elections? I mean, and what do you say to all the people who went through the process, the difficult process of becoming an American citizen, studying for the test, swearing an oath of allegiance to the United States of America, who, who now see this legislation just saying, well, anyone who's here, you can go ahead and vote. Well, I say to them, keep doing it. Uh, you know, membership has its privileges. Being a member of what we call United States of America is a great privilege. And I, I would tell them, keep doing it. Don't let anything daunt you or take you away from that mission. This legislation is not going to do that. This is that that's a laughable non-answer, by the way, to some to some actual questions being asked in fairness on CNN. Yes. There. A laughable non-answer. So what 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 is it? What are people to make of this? We haven't even talked about the fact that this mayor's now going to have to be working in a world where the district attorney Bragg is is apparently saying, "What do you mean, you guys are are going to be upset at me because I'm not going to put armed robbers in prison at all?" I mean, there's a lot of indicators here that Adams is is not going to be the savior of New York City, and I and I think increasingly. To be a Democrat today in good standing, Clay, you have to embrace a level of of a of derangement. I mean, you have to actually think that it's not that the policies are failing. It's that we haven't done them enough, whether it's covid criminal reform, illegal immigration. If we just get more of the thing that's working out really poorly for America, eventually it'll be a good thing. And here is what I think is going to be one of the lasting impacts of covid. Right. Eventually, covid is going to go away. COVID politics are going to go away. May take two or three years, may take longer than that before the entire cycle of the COVID political arena is exhausted. But what is not going to go away, Buck, and I'm curious how much you think this plays in, big cities like New York have relied upon the network effect to, even if they make poor decisions, people have said, oh, well, I have to be in New York because I've got to do this job or that job. I've got a Wall Street job and I've got to be in New York. I've got a media job and I've got to be in New York. I think what has happened with COVID is many people have realized that the technology exists for them to do their jobs anywhere, certainly in the country, and in many cases, all over the world. And so you are creating new dynamic levels of competition that the big cities I'm not sure have recognized enough. And I'll get, use you as an example, Buck. When you and I started doing radio, let's say it's you know 20 years ago, uh, you're doing radio. Being in a studio was a requirement. You, In order to have the right technology, in order to have the right sound, you went into a physical studio and you had to be present in a particular location. You and I have got the biggest radio show in the country, thanks to taking over for Rush, who had built the biggest radio show in the country. And much like Rush, even back then, he could travel around. But COVID has allowed radio in a way that never would have existed before to be taking place anywhere in the world. And you can do this show from anywhere. I don't know, and, and I think that translates not just for our job, but for many jobs out there. And I'm not sure politicians are aware of how much competition exists now for the New York cities of the world. And it used to be for a lot of jobs, presence was required. You had yeah. to actually be there to be, you know, if you were going to work, investment banking was the big thing in New York City in the 90s. And then the 2000s, it became being a hedge fund guy. And, yeah, some of that could be done remote. But generally, you were you had to be there in the meeting, in the room with people. And now in the digital era, that's certainly changing. I also, though, just want to note, Clay, back to the the Eric Adams 
as savior or not of New York City. By the way, I just want to I want to tell everybody I'm I'm putting if you're asking me to place a bet, I think that he's going to be if de Blasio was an F, I think Eric Adams is going to be like a C minus is my so not good, but a little better than C's get degrees, you know. Yeah. So it's it's, it's not it's not great. I mean, here he is when he's made his brother the uh, I think it's a deputy commissioner level, a senior role in the NYPD gets hired. Listen to how Eric Adams explains this. Let me be clear on this. My brother is qualified for the position. Uh, number one, he will be in charge of my security, uh, which is extremely important to me in a time when we see an increase in white supremacy and hate crimes. I have to take my security in a very serious way. And I need someone that I trust around me um, during these times for my security. And I trust my brother deeply. I mean, come on. Give me a break. All right. The rise in white supremacy. I live in New York City. There's no rise in white supremacy here. There's no rise in hate crimes here. Whenever like HuffPo or one of those crap left wing sites does some hate crimes are rising. It's always about how it's a Republican's fault. A. And then B, when you look at the data, it's because they start including, you know, a, a comment made somewhere by someone that was never verified in the data on hate crimes. But I mean, this is just it feels like he's playing the left wing politics game here. To excuse nepotism, which I got to say, some people on the right, you know, the nepotism thing, we we let it slide a little bit. We shouldn't. But that nepotism is an issue. Well, remember when the stop Asian hate uh, crime uh, went viral and everybody was suddenly like, man, Asian people are really victims of hate crimes a lot. We've got to stop this when they thought they could blame it and connect it to white supremacy. That was the narrative. And then they started looking at all the hate crimes that were going we on. We all started Asian looking people. at the videos. Yeah. yeah. And it was all primarily uh, Asian people were victims of hate crimes being perpetrated, if you want to call them hate crimes, by black people. And then the Democrats were like, oh, well, maybe this Asian hate crime thing is not such a big deal. And Buck, it totally disappeared. There was like a month where people were like, hey, man, we really got to stop this Asian hate. Uh, and then some of the videos started going viral and you saw who the suspects in the Asian hate attacks were and it turned out they were black and they couldn't tie it to white supremacy and all of a sudden the media didn't care about Asian hate anymore. There was an amazing moment in all of this when, I don't know if you remember this, Clay, this was years, years and years ago, maybe five or six years ago, I'm just guessing, I can't even remember, it's been so far back now. You know, when you get to my age, you start to forget things. <laughs> and and uh, there was a woman, a, you know, a, a visually appealing lady who had a camera guy follow her all over New York City. And the idea was this is the amount of, of you know, uh, catcalling Cat calls, and harassment yeah. and everything that you would suffer from if you were a, again, vis- visually appealing, good on camera, as they would say in the business, lady walking around New York City. And initially it was, oh, my gosh, the patriarchy, the misogyny. And then the left had a freak out because... Basically, every single male who said something in this video in New York City was a a male from a community of color. And so then it became this was so they were trying to take down the patriarchy, but they actually started advancing, you know, stereotypes or whatever. You know, they started to have these uh, these problems. And so when identity politics collides. Right. I mean, again, I, I think the Asian one is so fascinating because the idea was. A white supremacy is so all-encompassing that even Asian people aren't safe in this country. And they did that based on the shooting that took place in Georgia, and they were trying to tie it all together into white supremacy. 
And then all of the viral Asian attacks ended up having black perpetrators, and the story just disappeared. I mean, it literally, when's the last time you saw a story about Asian hate? And just, yeah, I mean, it's been, I don't know, that many, months. many, many months, many months indeed. Just vanished. So I, I think New York, folks, it's in trouble, and it's it's showing you that even a place that is suffering because of bad Democrat ideas, it's very hard to get them to turn around the Marxist ship. It's very hard to get them to uh, shift gears. When it comes to protecting the value of your savings account, few strategies are more successful than investing a portion of that savings account in real gold. That's been proven over the course of time, particularly in times when inflation is impacting us in so many ways as it is these days. Buying real gold and taking possession of it has been made easy with the help of our friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Owning and holding real gold that you can securely store away is a practical reality. There's nothing like real gold delivered to your home. Buying real gold is smart, calculated, and a proactive thing to do. My friends at the Oxford Gold Group are who you need to call to get started. They'll explain everything to you. Having real gold delivered to your home or having real gold as part of your IRA, it is just a phone call away with Oxford Gold. Call them at 833-404-GOLD and learn how you can have real gold in your IRA and deliver to your door. That's the Oxford Gold Group, 833-404-GOLD, 833-404-G-O-L-D. So first of all, remote learning has been a disaster for America's kids, and I think we have to acknowledge that, and we have to do everything we can to minimize any further remote learning. Look, I understand teachers' frustrations. A lot of school districts did not put in, uh, did not use the billions of dollars that they had gotten to put in improvements in ventilation and, and other upgrades. So the question is, can you still have school in the middle of a surge? And the answer is you can. Because if people are vaccinated, teachers should be all vaccinated and boosted. Uh, if people wear high-quality masks, even without those other upgrades, which I would like to see, it still is safe to, uh, for kids and teachers to be back in school. So I think at this point, there's really no good explanation for having remote schools. Explanation. That was Dr. Ashish Jha there. He's one of these uh, guys who goes on a lot of the cable news. He's an MSNBC CNN one, though, not not somebody that you would think necessarily uh, is going to ever call out the Fauciite nonsense. But right now we're, we're talking about this, the issue of schools, because the city of Chicago has uh, three hundred and fifty thousand children who are for the fourth day out of school and you would say wait hold on a second why is that going on well we all know why right the teachers unions have a lot of power and they know that they get paid you know you run a small business or you're an employee of a company that has bills to pay and you say yeah i know that it's fine and a lot of other people and yada yada and i'm vaccinated and boosted but i'm just not going to work that's a problem that's not going to work out so well but if you're getting paid by the taxpayer and you have Democrat politicians in your pocket because you're the teachers union and you raise money for them and you're essentially a Marxist public sector union. Uh, you can get away with this kind of stuff. And this is so interesting. Here was actually the head of the Chicago teachers union speaking out on this is just just listen to him here this is what he says hey everyone's making a hard choice it's the con right the context of, of this hey people are making a hard choice about whether to go to the grocery store or not no, no actually not not true this is not a hard choice the rest of the country not only has schools open clay but there have been schools that were open that did fine before there was even a vaccine, private and parochial schools across the country, even here in New York City, stayed open pre-vaccination, have been open the whole time there's a vaccine, obviously not in the summertime. 
but there's no there is no good faith argument for this. And the fact that Biden won't just come out and say this is nonsense, knock it off, just goes to show you these libs don't care about kids. It to me, this is the biggest failure of all the COVID failures. Because you are talking about the city of Chicago, where every bar is open, where every sports arena is open. You can go sit, 20,000 people can, and watch the Chicago Bulls play a basketball game or watch the Chicago Blackhawks play a hockey game, and yet your kids aren't allowed to be in public school. It's an unmitigated disaster that we could be here. And it is a fundamental failure of Joe Biden's leadership that he doesn't just come out and say every kid in every school has to be back. And I don't know how this situation resolves itself, Buck, because we're talking about four days now where the teachers unions are refusing to go back and where Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is actually trying to hold them accountable but doesn't have any real ability to do so. How does this situation resolve itself? I I don't even really know the answer. This is a monstrous number of people, and this is why I said, and and I'll continue to say it, January 6th was a disaster the way that Democrats tried to honor it with the singing of a song from Hamilton and the candlelit vigil on the steps, and Dick Cheney is suddenly a hero of the uh, of the left wing of this country. Everybody's trying to get their picture taken with him after they wanted him charged with war crimes during uh, the, the, the Iraq war fallout. All of that took place. And yet, no one is really speaking out about Chicago in the Democratic Party at all. you got a Democratic governor. you got all Democrats who are running the city of Chicago. You've certainly got in the, uh, in the nation an apparatus that is very pro-teachers union, and right now they are effectively kicking Joe Biden in the teeth and saying, we're not going to open. And by the way, this is important because it's also spread, my understanding is, Atlanta-area kids are not in school. Some of them are remote. Milwaukee-area kids, a lot of kids, my kids went back, we had some snow days, went back to public school today for a return to normal class. But there are a lot of schools that are coming back either this week or uh, next weekend, MLK Day, some start the day after. This is a big mess, and there are many urban school districts, in particular all over this country, blue city and often blue state locations, where kids, two years after 15 days to slow the spread, are still not going to be back in, in person school. When you listen to the arguments of the Chicago Teachers Union, and to be fair, and we do that here, we are fair, we make the real arguments, or rather we present you with the real arguments from the other side and we call out good behavior and good comments no matter who it comes from you know we we give high fives where deserved even Lori Lightfoot is like what the heck are you guys doing to the teachers right. union the mayor the very left wing and not very competent mayor of Chicago is saying you guys got to get your butts back in the classroom this is crazy because if you take them at their word that this is really just about fear of the virus at this point think about what that means they're talking about adults who are all vaccinated and boosted who are going to be exposed to children who have never been at high risk nor at nor a likely source of spread to adults and they've never even really understood why that is the theory is that young immune systems may clear it so quickly and have such a small viral load 
Uh, maybe they also, you know, have less droplets in the air when they breathe. Whatever. The point is, kids don't spread it to adults very readily. If they're not willing to go into, at a time, Clay, when grocery store workers and postal workers and carpenters and contractors and, you know, name somebody, right? Bar owners. If they're not willing to go to work when everybody else is, when are they willing to go to work? I mean, I think there's some part of them that they maintain this fantasy of they at least want to have the option for, quote, remote learning, which means really no learning whenever they want for as long as they want. Because otherwise, what's the end of this when everybody has high high speed filters installed in every public school in Chicago? Give me a break. Good luck with that. And we also have to remember, and again, I want to reiterate, we know we have tons of listeners of this show, teachers, members of uh, the principal, vice principals, like administrators that are also agreeing with us. So I don't want to paint with a broad brush with the idea because many teachers out there, for instance, my public school kids, teachers, they've been back in school for forever now. But the precedent that we set, Buck, was in March of 2020, we basically let teachers just walk off and we paid their full salaries And they effectively got months of vacation with no responsibility, really, to speak of. I'm talking about March until the end of the school year. There was almost no remote learning that went on March, April, May, June of 2020. And then the remote learning started because we were in the middle of a presidential cycle and because we failed as a country for many people in August and September. But we set the precedent, unfortunately, with the teachers that – It's unsafe for you to go back in the classrooms, and we will pay you your full salary if you don't do it. I've said from the get-go, we should look at the percentage of efficacy when it comes to remote learning, and it is massively lower, and we should undercut every teacher's salary by, let's say, 40%, and say, hey, if you want to teach remotely, we'll give you 60% of your salary, but the other 40% goes back to the taxpayer. I bet almost every teacher, if you said that, would say, oh, no, no, I want to go back to the classroom. What what, what do you think about my my hidden camera theory that of all these? And by the way, this is the Chicago teachers unions we're talking about. To Clay's point, I know there have been, you know, my my Jesuit high school here in New York City. They've been they've been open for, you know, they were open in the fall of 2020. I mean, they've been open. They've been open for a long time. Um, you know, plenty of schools, thousands and thousands across the country. And the teachers have been showing up and a lot of them have gotten covid. They're fine. And anyway. I think if you followed around the teachers union president with a hidden camera, what you'd find is that he's really scared of COVID from kids in the classroom, or maybe he doesn't even teach, right? But, you know, uh, some of his members, and they're at, like, packed bars in downtown Chicago watching the the football games, Mr. Travis, you know, enjoying (laughs) themselves. It is a a great point. It reminds me back in the day uh, when you would have somebody claim that they had a major injury for a traffic accident or whatever, and you would hire an insurance adjuster if you were a lawyer and you would follow that person around and be like, well, you know, you were able to go to uh, to, the, to the gym. You yeah. know, I got pictures here of you All on the bench pain, But you on the water yeah. slide didn't seem to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when you were out dancing at the at the at the bar and like everything else, I mean, I, I love that idea. And you know what's happened is, do you remember, I think it was the Chicago area teachers union head. Wasn't it who got popped on her vacation to Puerto Rico? Yeah, I, I was I it to remember this. I think that's right. I, we have it to was definitely a one. teachers union. We need to look up. I'll look up during the break. But one of them was at Puerto Rico. Like they weren't even smart enough not to post their uh, their vacations going out of country when they were supposedly I, too afraid to teach. I just want to know, did AOC, who has COVID now, folks, did she stop 
taking the virus seriously? Did she let her guard down too soon? Notice how it's always a moral failing of anyone the left doesn't like when they get COVID. Meanwhile, everyone, yes. I mean, I've, I've had COVID, you've had COVID, it's all over the place. So many people listening, probably about three quarters of the people listening to this have had COVID already. But notice she goes, she goes down to Florida. I guess she's not so scared of Ron DeSantis's Florida after all, Clay. Oh, what a no, shock. No doubt, Buck. And by the way, the number of people that I'm hearing now who have COVID, whole families that aren't even in the data, right? Like everybody tests positive, but it's all home tests or whatever. So we're talking about a million official cases or whatever the heck it is. It might be two or three times that with people who know they have it that are staying at home. I mean, this is crazy. Mortgage rates are still near record lows, but experts are forecasting several increases in 2022. That's not an if, but rather a when and by how much. That makes now the time to get a free mortgage review from American Financing. It's a quick and easy way to see if you can save up to $1,000 a month without resetting your loan. It really is possible to pay less in interest and stay on track to be mortgage-free. Because at American Financing, they can write any term 10 years and over. So you're not wasting your hard-earned money on years you don't need. You really do have an opportunity to save up to $12,000 a year. American Financing has helped thousands of people just like you for over 20 years. So you can trust that they're good at what they do, and that's saving people like you money. So why not learn more? You could skip, get this, folks, you could skip two mortgage payments and close on a new quick loan, too. And by the way, I use American Financing. I know how much money you can save as well because these guys at American Financing do incredible work. Here's how you do it. Get your phones in your hand. Call 800-777-8109. That's 800-777-8109. Or you can visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumeraccess.org. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. 
To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look. And HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less, every time you play. You pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever. And it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize picks also gives you injury insurance so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free prize picks app and open your account. Use my name, Clay, for a first deposit match. Up to a hundred dollars. Download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code Clay. That's C L A Y to get set up and get a deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, some bad news for people. I would say of our generation and even younger, um, and certainly older as well. That it used to be that we had all these great sitcoms. We were like kind of in the wheelhouse, Buck. You're a couple of years younger than I am, but you could sit around and you could watch the family sitcom, right? And a big part of the family sitcom was the TGIF, uh, Thank God It's Friday. I loved uh, it. I watched oh. it religiously as, a, as like a young, you know, like a 12, 13, 14-year-old. Loved yes. it. And you could watch these shows with your mom and dad, with your grandma and grandpa, your younger brothers and sisters. Everybody kind of sat around the television together, whether it was the Cosby show, whether it was family ties. And this is kind of like a gut punch. Bob Saget, who was one of the all-time great TV dads from Full House, and then they had come back because my kids loved... I believe it's on Netflix, Fuller House, yes, uh, which was like an updated version of Full House. And so Bob Saget, 65 years old, out of nowhere, just dropped dead. I mean, and and there was no indication that he might be sick. He had done a comedy show the night before. And uh, and this was kind of a gut punch, kind of came out of nowhere. I remember that. So I think that was probably my favorite of the TGIF lineup. And for those who are roughly within 10 years of Clay's and and my uh, ages, you know, we're talking about. I did love Family Matters. I think Carl Carl Winslow, Carl Winslow, one of the great TV dads as well. Yes. And that whole thing came together because of the cop he played on Die Hard, a movie that we share uh, as, as one of the great loves of cinema. Um, but yeah, he was in Full House. He was great. I had to get a bit older though to learn that like not everyone gets to live in a three million dollar townhouse <laughs> in San Francisco overlooking a park. You know, I was like, yeah, this is just like like you know how Americans live. You know, as a little kid because I'd never even been to San Francisco till I was an adult, and then I found out, oh, oh, that's like they basically lived in a mansion. <laughs> which well, which was San nice. Francisco wasn't as expensive. Those Victorian like kind of gingerbread houses that they lived in. For those of you who remember that show, by the way, I jotted down a bunch of TV dads that I thought were pretty fantastic. Uh, I've got Bob around that same era. 
Bob Saget, Alan Thicke, the dad on Growing Amazing. Pains, Jason Amazing. Seaver, if I remember correctly, uh, Bill Cosby. I, I, before we knew the Bill Cosby off the... Uh, I don't know. Outside. I think he's canceled, Clay. I don't know, but the show itself, the Cosby show, is still really, really good. He is a great TV dad, played the role of a great TV dad. Carl Winslow yep, from Family phenomenal. Matters. Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fantastic. Uh, yep. Another fantastic dad. Um, there used to be a lot of awesome dads back in the day. I don't even know. I guess Goldberg's. Did you ever watch that Goldberg show? No, I've never seen that. Never What's seen it called? That like it's 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 the 1980s, 90s Goldberg-esque show. Um, it had the dad was, I think he just got fired for all sorts of I, issues. I would but, say Coach Eric Taylor of Friday Night Lights. Oh, that's a, a recent later. one. Phenomenal. Coach dad. Eric Taylor's fan. I, I want him to be, you know, the coach of my kids' team. We gotta, we gotta bring him back. He's we, fantastic. we could use Coach Eric Taylor to give us pep talks during the course of the show. You Absolutely. know, like, I wanna wear a, Dil- a- I wanna wear a Dylan Panthers t-shirt or sweatshirt while I'm doing this. I'll even wear that, that silly hat with the khaki, khaki shorts he'd wear all the time. And you know whistle. what I did? They sold off all of the props from Friday Night Lights. Did you know about this? No. NBC did. I bought a Dylan uh, Panthers coaches polo. So I have in one of the ones that the coaches wore on the television show, I have in my closet we, now. We should have, we should have had more of that show, I would say. I wish it had gone on longer. It got, it got hurt by the writer's strike at one point. But Clay, also, I have to, I have to give some props. You, you said that uh, Mrs. Travis liked Cobra Kai. And it kind of jogged my memory because I was oh, like, yeah. wait a second. I mean, you know, I trust Mrs. Travis's opinion on this stuff. You, I don't know, Mr. I like Hamilton, but Mrs. Travis, I trust. <laughs> I, w- I went back. Cobra Kai is amazing. This, it's it like a, it's a so... very well done show for what it is. And you can really have the whole family watch it pretty much. A little bit of cursing, but. Yeah, 100%. So my wife watches a lot of shows. And so I use her as the sounding board. And she said, if you like Karate Kid, which I did. Uh, you will love Cobra Kai. So uh, on Friday, I was like, you know what? It's a long week. I'm just going to kick back and watch a show. So I watched all of season one of Cobra Kai on Friday. You with hadn't my seen boys. it before? Oh, no. my gosh. I watched I season three. I binge watched uh, no. season three this week, and we didn't even coordinate this. No, I watched season one. I'm all in for seasons two, three, and four now. Uh, you know, when football season gets near the end, I have a little bit of free time for a change. You know, was was LaRusso the bad guy? It changes things up a little bit I, in your head. Kinda, you know? I mean, your headspace changes a little bit. Johnny is an incredible actor in this show. It's really funny. Well done. If you liked Karate Kid at all, good one to watch with your kids. I mean, I'm watching with yeah. my kids. Like you said, some language, but in general, not too bad. Third hour next. We're hanging out with you. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.